Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. Please, take my hand. Now, open your mind to me. Please, open your mind. Open your mind. Open your mind. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And this is my last show of the year. So I like to do the year in review. I like to give you my top 10 news stories, why they matter, what I think they really mean. It's a great way to review the year, kind of counter all that uh, mainstream media propaganda that you're getting constantly. Uh, And also giving you a little bit of the libertarian principles that I try to employ when I look at these stories, which I think many times are designed to make the public change their opinion on policy by making them think the world's like a different place from what they thought it was, that your principles are really, it's, that's all theoretical, as, uh, as Chris Christie said in the last debate when Rubio and Rand Paul were debating the First Amendment. He said, Americans' eyes glaze over. This is like talking about how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. Like it's this uh, just a totally irrelevant theory what your principles are, but they're not. It's the your principle. You don't even have to know the truth about what's happening in the world if you stick to your principles, because then, in my opinion, we will have peace and prosperity. If we mind our own business, if we stick to... This one great law, the only law, in my opinion, civil law anyway, not moral law, but civil law, don't touch me or my stuff. If you live by that, which uh, is roughly equivalent to the non-aggression principle in libertarian circles, if you live by that, don't touch me or my stuff, and you mandate the government only do things that uh, support that, protect you from people touching you or your stuff, I think we would have... A great world, but we don't. And the government's constantly trying to get us to do things that violate those principles. I've been going down my list, counting down from 10 to 1 of what I think were the biggest things in 2015. I want to hear what you have to say. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. I'm also going to do 2016 in preview. So if you want to email me or Facebook me or tweet at me at Monica Perez Show and tell me what you think is coming in 2016, next week's show is going to be pretty interesting because I do make some predictions that are uncannily true. One of them from uh, last year, I think I actually first stated some of this in 2014. I have my bullet points from my show a year ago in in 2015 looking ahead i said the usa patriot act would be renewed and expanded uh if necessary we would have more hacks even a cyber 9 11 to justify this i said i had said snowden's revelations will not hurt the surveillance state edward snowden's revelations about the nsa would not hurt the surveillance state it would actually help it And this is what I said more than a year ago, that metadata collection would be privatized 
surveillance would be institutionalized. And both of those are true with this USA Freedom Act, which replaced the USA Patriot Act as far as gathering. It made the private companies gather all your information so that the government doesn't even need a warrant. And it stockpiles them for when the government wants to go back through them and find bits and pieces on you. Totally unconstitutional. Uh and the, uh, I also said the Panopticon would be established. I'm going to have to explain that to you, although you can always go to my glossary on MonicaPerezShow.com for any of these words, terms that you don't get, the Panopticon. I all, and I'm going to tell you in a sec. Uh, the other thing I predicted was we will get CISPA and the USA Patriot Act renewed in 2015. And what we got was effectively a renewal and institutionalization of this big data collection in the form of the USA Freedom Act. And CISPA, which is how uh, the tech companies cooperate with the government to search our stuff, share information, no privacy that way, was uh, slipped in to this budget omnibus bill under the uh, fake libertarian Paul Ryan, now Speaker of the House. That So my predictions in this regard uh, have all come true, and it's really just being able to foresee where it's coming from, where uh, where these policies are right now, just to see that, that these are... These are policy agenda items that aren't going to go away uh, anytime soon. And and uh, so my number four item was this surveillance state institutionalized. Now, there's some debate. People championed the USA Freedom Act as being better than the USA Patriot Act. I don't think so. And Ted Cruz revealed that in the last GOP deba- debate when he said, It used to be just landlines. Now it's cell phones. 100% of all metadata can now be collected and stored forever. But I want to uh, just take a second to explain to you what's so bad about that and why the Fourth Amendment says you have to say what you are looking for exactly with specifics and get a warrant for it. Because if you just collect people's stuff or get to just go through all their stuff, you don't, uh, you can set people up for political reasons. And so there's 1974 Privacy Act, which was uh, a reflection of the atmosphere around Watergate, that the government could use its power to destroy people politically. And I'm going to give you some examples of what I personally think is the real risk of this, just stockpiling everything you ever wrote. They, they, uh, they developed voice to text to to be able to store your the contents of your phone conversations of your voicemails everything three things i can just think of one is this martin shkreli was a uh, a pharmaceutical ceo who raised prices outrageously and the government pushed back on him and he was rude uh and he said it's not illegal and he got away with it however they came back and arrested him and got him fired on who knows if they're good or bad charges on something he did in 2009. Uh, and he just, he's gone now. So even if he won the case, he's he's gone. He's disgraced. Uh, another example was the CEO of Quest Communications when George Bush was in office, a guy named Nacho. He was the only big telecom guy who said no 
to the warrantless wiretaps of uh, the Bush administration at Quest. And he got shortly thereafter arrested, went to jail for four years on what they said was, I think, I think it was insider trading. But he said he had evidence that this was a witch hunt. It was punishment. And the judge said he could not bring it up because it was a national security issue. So and and there's other examples that I just I'm not going to go through them all, but you can look up Nacho. That whole story was in the Wall Street Journal and it talked about that. So that's why you don't want them to have everything you ever said. And even beyond that, they can say uh, they could just make stuff up at that point. This San Bernardino shooting had a weird detail where the woman supposedly posted something on Facebook about being uh, uh, dedicated to the head of ISIS. It happened at the moment the shooting started, which was weird. It was under somebody else's name. So we have to take their word for it. And supposedly they threw their phones away in a dumpster before this thing happened. So that's a detail of that story. I don't know if it's true, but it's used for policy purpose. And we believe it because we believe in total surveillance. So, of course, we know that. We just buy that story without evidence. That's the kind of thing I'm worried about with this total surveillance state. I want to go to call David in Gainesville. David, you're on with Monica. Hello. How are you today? Good. How are you doing? Good. I hope you have a nice Christmas. Yes, and you too. I think that 2016 is going to have a financial crisis sometime between March and September. It's going to be unprecedented. And I base it on a couple things. Oh, okay. One, we've gone back to our old ways. They're financing homes at 120%, cars, no money down. 44% of the population uh, is in the age group that are close or have retired. They control 77% of the cash, which is stashed either in non-interest-bearing bank accounts or safe deposit boxes and a host of other things. But I think it's coming, and I think it's going to be even worse than it was last time. And I what, really believe that. Can you uh, tell me what you think that'll do to the election? Actually, I think it's going to push the election uh, toward the Republicans. Yeah, that's what I would they're think. Going to, they're going to be able to take Obama and beat him for the next eight years like they did George Bush. So, you know, the, the yes, yes, always I understand. looking for a whipping boy. I, I don't know why, right. but they always look for somebody to blame it on other than looking in the mirror. Well, I, I came to that conclusion when I finally just became pure libertarian and didn't at all have and no longer was I could I take seriously Republican claims of even being fiscal conservatives. And I just couldn't figure out how like I would always wonder how Democrats didn't realize what was wrong with their party. And then I realized, I was like, oh, nobody knows what's wrong with their party, and that's how they like it. They like you to just well, focus on what's bad think, about the other side. Absolutely, and I think there's a very, if there is a line, it's a very fine line between Democrats and Republicans. Well, at this point, because they, they compromise, they both end up, at the end of the day, with more welfare, more warfare. They yeah. enjoy it. Their cronies enjoy it. We're in the sixth generation of welfare recipients. 40s plus percent of people in this country receive a check from the federal government. And don't pay taxes. I mean, it's... The, it's the, Exactly yeah. right. And the federal government is paying their visa bill with their MasterCard. How long can you do that? Yeah. And, and these people who are recipients of that and don't pay taxes really have no skin in the game. You know, it's like no. representation without taxation rather than the other I, way around. I mean, I, I don't see how we couldn't have another financial crisis. I mean, you're obviously better educated in this than me, but I'm, I'm a guy who watches every nickel. I raised six kids by myself for over 20 years, wow. through eight years of college each with no debt. 
and I'm a real, real fiscal conservative. Well, that that but what happens is once the government starts subsidizing it, the prices of these things, healthcare, college, go through the roof. So there's definitely a long-term crisis and prospect. I don't know about next year. I'm going to think hard about that. And next week when I do my 2016 show, I'll give you my views on that. And coming up, I'm going to give you my views on uh, the presidential election looking back into 2015. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB until 6, every Saturday, 3 to 6. I'm going through my list of things that happened in 2015, top 10 news stories. From my perspective as a Libertarian, as somebody who doesn't buy into the left-right, the two-party psyop, psychological operation. So I just went through, uh, I'm counting down from 10 to 1. I'm on number 3. And number 3 for me is... ISIS explodes onto the world stage. So that is was a, a could it could have been number one. I'll get to number one after the next break at the bottom of the hour. But uh, ISIS, I'm also telling you in my top news stories what I predicted would happen in 2015. So I'll tell you a few things. Um, I just pulled bullet points right out of my notes from my beginning of the year show. One of the things was uh, I said there would be increasing terrorism in Canada and Australia and the echelon countries. Uh, They would join together as uh, Europe bonds. But where I got that wrong is I thought of the echelon countries, which are the English-speaking countries, Canada, Australia, UK, US, New Zealand. I should have said the NATO countries because there were increasing terrorist attacks among our allies, but it was France the Syrian refugee crisis in Germany. I also predicted that ISIS would not be attacked before it had a foothold in Syria. Remember, it started in 2014 in Iraq. But I knew that it would not be hit until it could be used as a backdoor to war in Syria. And funny enough, in 2015, there was a government document leaked that said the establishment of an Islamic state is exactly what we and our allies want to justify unseating Assad. And uh, I also expected Ashton Carter to take over for Chuck Hagel. He was nominated for Secretary of Defense. I figured he would get it. And I said, the violence is going to escalate because that guy is a warmonger. And I think think that's pretty much what's happening. At the bottom of the hour, I'm going to get to my top two news stories of 2015. And I want to know yours. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. Your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And we are in the home stretch. I'm going over my 2015 year in review. And I have, uh, I'm down to number three. I just did number three. I'm just going to rattle them off real quick for you. Number 10 was the oil crash continues. Number nine was Trade Promotion Authority, where uh, Senate basically, the Senate Congress gave its power to the president for treaties beyond what he would have had under the Constitution. Number eight was the climate change agreement in Paris, which I think was uh, is a setup so that 
we will when it fails uh, fails to get people to do whatever arbitrary things they told them to do will justify world government. Uh, number seven was uh, increasing issues with the police and Black Lives Matter and framing police overreach as a racial issue instead of a rights issue. Number six is uh, mass shootings. I expect that to continue uh, uh, to to continue and to be promoted as uh, for gun control. Number five, I had Russia entering the war in Syria, supposedly uh, on our side, killing ISIS. But we consider it some for some reason our government considers it antagonistic. They're on the side of uh, Syria, sovereign country, and in, which invited them in, and uh, that goes hand in hand with the Syrian refugee crisis, which is uniting Europe in the face of a uh, common problem. Number four, I have uh, surveillance institutionalized in the USA Freedom Act and CISA, which was passed surreptitiously in the omnibus budget bill, basically in the middle of the night. And uh, number three I just did before the break was ISIS exploded onto the world stage. And there were a couple of things I left out about that. Uh, I talked about the Paris attacks. I had predicted increasing attacks among our allies in the beginning of the year, but I had highlighted English-speaking countries. I don't know why I should have highlighted NATO countries because that is the political unit that's being... um, rallied around for for regime change in Syria, which is what ISIS is all about. But I also uh, had predicted that, that uh, that ISIS would not be attacked until it could be used as an excuse for regime change in Syria, which was proven out by a leaked document this year that said that our government, our allies, want ISIS to expand in order to affect regime change in Syria. So it's not the tail wagging the dog, The main goal is regime change in Syria, which I predicted at the beginning of the year. It was not crystal clear, but I said, Obama said Gaddafi had to go and he's dead. He said Assad has to go and Assad knows he has to fight to the death. So this is going to be a prolonged thing. But I consider to be the basically second and first biggest stories of 2015 to be the GOP presidential campaign. The people who threw their hats into the ring and in particular, well, let me do number two first and then I'll get to number one. I did this as a separate one and didn't just do one whole thing. Uh, It's Rand Paul throwing his hat into the ring. Rand Paul following in his father's footsteps, Ron Paul. Ron Paul, who really I have given a lot of hard thought to whether or not he was somehow a compromiser, somehow a corporate shill, wanted freedom because he wanted his home state oil businesses, the energy industry to be unregulated. I really thought about this stuff. But the fact is, I have come out that, I mean, just Ron Paul is the guy. He was absolutely always true to his principles. He didn't start saying the craziest stuff he thinks might be true. He kept it within two standard deviations of the mean. But he always stood by his principles, even when he was shouting alone into the wind in Congress. Rand Paul, on the other hand... When he launched this presidential campaign, 
It was in the context of a lot of compromising. He he took some hawkish stances that seemed like he wanted some kind of conflict in the Middle East or at least would go along with it. And I had to really think hard as to whether or not he was just into the power and would compromise on the fundamental principles. It was very hard for me to think that he could do that, uh, being raised by Ron Paul. I wasn't raised by Ron Paul, and I still... Uh, hold him as an example of kind of ideological purity. So I saw Rand Paul doing this, and I really turned away from him after a while. It just got too much. But I held out hope that he was really just trying to be in what's called the Overton window, which is keeping his positions within uh, what voters, his constituency, whatever, could, could deal with, they could vote for. They could not vote, like if he was really looking for a Republican nomination, he couldn't hold a view that Republicans simply can't accept. And I think he took it one step further in trying to, he knew that the Overton window is really not about voters, it's about the establishment. It's about the Republican Party and what they will or will not accept. And I think that he probably hashed it out with them. They talked him into compromising. He did it. And they marginalized him anyway, because there is absolutely no way they could trust him to carry their water. Anyone who's going to carry the water for the Republican establishment, or I shouldn't even say it like that, the power elite, the military industrial complex, which controls both parties, in my opinion, uh, that that person has to be willing really to steal and kill. Like I always thought it saved Romney's soul that he wasn't elected because Obama has a Tuesday morning kill list of people who have not been tried. Americans have been on that list and been killed. Anwar al-Awlaki was killed by a drone strike. This is a guy who's well-established as a uh, former, maybe, uh, but definitely an an FBI operative at some point. Uh, So these guys have to be willing to kill. And of course, government is, by its nature, stealing. And I just wasn't sure Rand Paul was really all the way. Now I've come around, and I think that he realizes he's never actually going to hold those powerful offices. If he can keep his Senate seat, that would be great. And I expect and hope that he will then follow in his father's footsteps as somebody who can, as I've said and put in my glossary on my website, monicpressshow.com, that the, the remnant, that he will keep the remnant alive, the people, the minority, maybe the tiny minority, who keep ideals alive the nobility of man alive the truth alive uh, a real sense of justice alive for future generations maybe maybe to re-implement them in the next american revolution maybe to to base a new society on them or maybe just to keep uh uh uh, like the embers of liberty and justice alive the way like primitive societies carried around a little ember in a, in a cloth or a piece of moss. I always love that analogy, that visual, that maybe that's what, that's what he will, that Rand Paul will come around and do that and know that these national elections are really just a platform to get people's ideas, keep people's ideas alive. Because, and this is going to bring me to my next thing, That phenomenon, that thirst, that hunger that Ron Paul tapped into of people who who know there's something wrong with the narrative we're being told, know that neither party is really holding to our principles as the people, know that that's not really uh, 
that they know there's something very wrong at the top. And that's why Ron Paul got so much support, really from young people who were still idealistic enough to have hope for that. But there is this disaffected grassroots, you could see it in the Tea Party, in the Ron Paul movement, in the Liberty movement, that the Republican establishment simply has to deal with. And I think while while Rand Paul can address it from a pure ideological perspective, I think the Republican establishment has promoted some uh, candidates who will keep those people, those disaffected people, in the tent or at least close to home so they can be uh, uh, used when needed. And I know that's that's a, a very cynical thing to say. I'm going to explain it a little further, but it brings me to my number one point, which is the number one phenomenon of 2015, in my opinion, number one story is this Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders phenomena that these guys are populist or popular candidates that appeal to the disaffected in their parties. Bernie Sanders is a very far left guy. He's a self-avowed socialist. And Trump really comes off. I think it's it's he exaggerates it because people just love that he won't be PC. But he comes across as a very right-wing nationalistic, which isn't, I grew up in New York. He was never like that. Never. His two two of his three wives are immigrants. I mean, he's just not like that. So I see, So, but he is really, they really, I was reading about how Ted Cruz has this psychological, this team of psychologists working on what, what the voters respond to. And I feel like, these two phenomena are not meant, Trump and Bernie Sanders, are not meant to bridge the aisle, to cross the, uh, the spectrum of the American politics by getting that, that the independents are so important to a presidential win. Let's just say it's a third Democrat, a third Republican, and a third independent. You have to have someone who's going to bridge that aisle. And I don't think Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump, anyone in the political class really expects them to do that. What they expect them to do is to deliver votes to the Republican nominee when that time comes. And I know that's a crazy sounding thing when Trump is just knocking the polls uh, out of the park and someone like Jeb Bush, who I think is the establishment's choice, isn't even registering. But I feel like uh, underneath it all, that's my gut instinct. But I, I realize it's a long shot. I'm not hanging my hat on it. I'm not going to Vegas and betting everything on it. But that's just my impression of what this really is. And also, if you really just want to go for, like, the corporate thing, I think of the presidential campaign year as the Black Friday of the media. You know, the Black Friday, Black Friday is the day after Thanksgiving. It's the day when so many people shop that stores for the first time turn a profit because there's so much volume, I feel like the election year is when all the media outlets get enough attention, the debates, everything. They can actually pay the bills for the other three years. And that's what I feel like if if we had just gone with the anointed candidates, Hillary and Jeb, for example, there would be no ratings. There would be no TV to sell there. And, uh, and what's in it for guys like Cruz or guys like Trump who might not really be? the winning candidate for the establishment, they have things like massive databases, huge uh, free publicity. They have all these things that they can use for their future careers in politics or in the media or whatever. 
So I can see how they might be okay accepting this role as a kind of rabble rousers until the rubber hits the road. But I understand that that's a long shot. If you really believe the polls, what I'm saying makes no sense. That's why next week's show is going to be really interesting because I'm going to tell you how I think this is going to unfold in 2016. And uh, so this is my last show of the year. I'm going to wrap it up after the break. But um, I have time for one more call, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? Put that down. Hello? Hello? Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. I am on every Saturday on WSB from 3 to 6. This is my last show of the year. What I would love to do, and it's not a big ask, I would love to end the year with 2,500 Facebook likes. I'm only like 20 off. So if you're listening, I know it's a slow day, but that would be fun for me. If you listen to the podcast, just go to my website, MonicaPerezShow.com. Give me a like. I never ask for it, but it's just fun to see that uh, little boost after a show. You can also follow me on Twitter to keep this conversation going, at Monica Perez Show. And uh, I always post the podcasts on my website later in the week, so you can get that if you if you miss any of it. Today I did 2015 in review. Tomorrow, uh, next Saturday, I'm going to do 2016, what I expect to happen, and that is going to be interesting, I can assure you. I'm going to give Brent in Athens the last word on the show today. Hi, Brent. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Merry Christmas. Um, Merry so Christmas I got you. through. Um, yeah, what you got? You got one whole minute. <laughs> I got one whole minute. Great. I uh, I think it's it is an interesting phenomenon, the Donald Trump Bernie Sanders phenomenon. Especially if you if you do follow politics and see how things have worked over the years, um, you wouldn't expect either one of them to get uh, much attention at some point. They never did before. No, and uh, if you really listen to what they're to what they say, um, it's really kind of the same person. I know that's going to shock a lot of people out there, but um, it's it's really they want they both want their own version of how they how they want government to be as far as being able to dole out whatever it is they want to dole out. Um, they're not really talking about shrinking the size of government, excuse me. Um, but uh, so it, 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 it gets away from what you were talking about when Ron Paul and the Tea Party kind of stood Yes, for, where he was talking about uh, the Federal Reserve, uh, our money being taken from us, whether it's from the Federal Reserve, you know, taxation, or spending. That's a really good point, Brent, that it, that Ron Paul had the content, had the substance. I didn't mean to misrepresent that the people who follow him, thank you for correcting me, I just thought that emotionally the Republicans were trying to get those people back into the tent. You're right. They're both big government guys, and uh, and I I don't think that you're going to have less welfare or less warfare with either of those guys. Thanks for a call. Uh, Be back next week, Saturday, 3 to 6. This is Monica Perez. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.